0: Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 99. It's now been 50 weeks, six days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And I'm sitting up to here on the next to top Zen's place, enjoying the blessed shade because it's a hot day on this hike. You might be hearing some birds and some wind because it's kind of a windy day but we're not going to be perfectionists. I'm going to just keep on recording and you're going to hear what you hear. And today, I'm hoping this will be a little more happy show than last time since I was a little bit dealing with my depression last show. But this time, I want to have some announcements about our next show, Day 100, which will also be one year since I started this show. I'm going to play for you some fun voiceover takes featuring my scene partners, Rhonda Clark and Tom Smith. Amy from Wisconsin goes on the bravery report for calling the bravery hotline with her realization about what an eating trigger, a visit to the doctor scale is. And we're going to welcome new BC Adam who posted on one of my status pages. Also, we'll hear from Suze. I'm going to tell you about an idea she and Cheryl had and for the first time ever, Mark posts on the blog. So stay tuned as we listen to the wonderful inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, and I'll fill you in on what I'm going to let go of today.
1: But I'm letting go I'm letting go It's a history that never really grows I'm letting go Silent wind that never really blows. I'm letting go.
0: Well as I sit up here on the windy mountainside listening to Josh I think about my life and what I've been learning, and I tell you, I've had some whopping hard lessons lately, some whopping hard ones. I guess as we peel away these layers of what's under compulsive overeating, you get down to some of the bedrock hard things, right? And one of my hard things is about depression. I've been dealing with depression all my life, as I talked about last show. But I realized this week that there was something more I needed to let go of, and that is defining myself by attributes that happen to be in my life or that are not in my life any longer, right? Here's an example. Now, I might scare the bejesus out of you who like to listen to this show if I said I'm letting go of being a podcaster, but that's one of the things I'm letting go. I'm not a podcaster per se. I am a person who has a podcast show right? See the difference? If I define myself as a podcaster and something happens to my show and I can't do it, then who am I? And that's kind of what happened to me when I retired from my job, right? I was a corporate database developer. That was part of my job. And so if people said, well, hi, Lori, you know, who are you or what are you? I say, "Oh, well, I'm, a, I'm a database developer and I work in a corporation. And, you know, the next question might be, well, do you have kids? And if you're a mom. A lot of times, you might say that even first. Oh, I'm a mom and I'm a database developer. Well, I don't have kids, so when I retired and people say, "Well, hi, Lori," you know, "What do you do?" I'd be like, kind of stuck. Uh, 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 I didn't have something to define myself as. You know, I couldn't say I was a corporate database developer. I couldn't say I was a mom or a grandma. I couldn't say those things, and. When I started my first show, Daily Adventure Tales, it was such a relief because when I met someone and they said, what are you? I said, I'm a podcaster. I have a show called Daily Adventure Tales and it would give me something to talk about. But I realized that I really inhabited Daily Adventure Tales and that's why it hurt my feelings so badly when the people didn't, you know, jump on board with comments and telling their stories like I was hoping that they would do. Now, Compulsive Overeating Diary was a different kind of podcast. That was something where I literally was talking into my microphone in order for me to discover what is under all this binge eating, what is under all this obsession. And honestly, I was also starting a 1500 calorie a day diet, which is a pretty moderate diet, but I was starting a weight loss diet because I wanted to lose weight. And part of the things that stops you from losing weight when you're a binge eater is when you have all these blasted binges, right? That kind of makes you go over your calorie allowance. And that also, for me, tended to trigger me to think like, oh, I ate too much. I had this binge, so I better go on a hike, you know, go up and down the hill a few times to burn up all these calories. So instead of saying, oh, it's a nice day, I think I'll go hiking, I'd like to record my show, it was all about, oh, I ate too much, I need to burn a bunch of calories, or... Oh, I'm going to a party, so let me burn up a whole bunch of calories before I go to this party. See, I had exercise tied into how many calories I was eating, and I would severely over-exercise after binging. And since I was binging all the time, I was exercising a lot of the time, and then I would injure myself a lot of the time. Because as we age, and I know I'm not that ancient, I'm only 55, almost 56 now, can you believe it? But even so, you just can't exercise in the same way as when you're 20 or even 30, and you have to be careful. And even top athletes have to be careful not to over-exercise or you hit injury. And when you got an injury, then what happens? Then you're benched. Then you can't do that. (laughs) Then you have to do a different kind of exercise. You can't go hiking. You might have to go swimming or do something differently. But it's a big, big circle. So this all is a long way of saying that when I started the show, I wasn't really thinking of myself as a podcaster with Compulsive Overeating Diary. I was thinking of myself as a person who has this problem with overeating and these weird social anxiety behaviors and things that I'm scared of and stuff that makes me want to eat potato chips and stuff I don't want to deal with. And I wonder... If I talk about these underlying issues, will that help me stay on my diet? Honestly, that's what I was hoping. I hope that talking in my recorder and then listening to this will help me stay on the diet. And then I posted it online to iTunes and some of the Brave Companions came, though I didn't know you were called Brave Companions then, some of you came and commented or even called the Bravery Hotline. I still remember how excited I was the very first time someone called the Bravery Hotline. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I was so happy. I think that happened right around my birthday when I went to Las Vegas. I think that was true. I don't know. I wasn't prepared to talk about you know the year in review, but at that point, I became a podcaster of Compulsive Overeating Diary. As soon as I really kind of got that you guys were out there listening and commenting and making my dream come true of having a show where people were participating and and it was impacting you. And my story was no longer only my story, not just me trying to find out what's up with Lori. But it was all of your stories. People were sharing their takes on compulsive eating or their eating disorder or even just the way they thought about food or life and sharing that they were people pleasers also, that they were scared sometimes going into social situations, that sometimes hanging around the chip bowl is easier than saying how do you do to a stranger. I wasn't alone in that. We were a group of people. So I was a podcaster. And everywhere I meet, in voice class, I say, oh, hi, I'm Lori. And they'll say, are you an actor? And I'll say, no, I'm a podcaster. I do a show about compulsive eating, about different eating disorders and bravery. And they'll go, oh, that's really cool. But that's the first thing I say to people. I'm a podcaster. Well, you know, I saw something on Facebook that was posted by Dr. Nina, I think, about how we aren't fat how we have fat, and it's a different point of view. And I think I've even talked about that before. But it's true. We all have fat. No matter how slender you are, we have some. We have some fat, and you need fat. And so you aren't fat. You know, at what point? Like, if I need to lose 50 pounds, am I still fat if I've lost 49? No? Think I'm not fat then? Was I still fat when I lost 48? No? How about 47? No, you know, at what point, what pound is the magic pound that keeps you from being fat or not, right? You might say, I have more weight on me than I feel comfortable moving around with, but there really is not this magic number on the scale where you can say, okay, absolutely, I am not fat anymore. And I think that kind of goes into why even when I've been thin because I have been thin. I've been thin for quite a while sometimes. I never felt thin because it was in my conscious that I am fat, right? I am fat. It doesn't matter what the mirror says. It doesn't matter what the pants say. It doesn't matter. That is in my subconscious definition of how I define myself that I am fat. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm 300, 400 pounds or it doesn't matter if I'm 150 pounds. In my mind, I'm still fat. And that's the trouble, of brave, brave companions, when we define ourselves as something that's an attribute of our lives, whether it's what we do for a living or a hobby or what we think about our bodies. You know, I don't go meet you and say, "How do, you do? I'm Lori, I'm five foot seven. Though as a matter of fact, I am five foot seven. But I wouldn't think to introduce you, myself to you as that, hey, I'm Lori and I'm this tall. You'd look at me like I was crazy, right? So why should I apologize for how tall I am? That's just how tall I am. Why should I apologize for how big I am? That's just how big I am. And sometimes I weigh 225, like I did when I started the show. Sometimes I weigh 191, like when I rode around the big island of Hawaii. You know, right now I'm guessing I must weigh like maybe 215, I'm thinking. I don't know, because I still haven't been on the scale for more than half a year, and I'm not going to, but i know that i weigh less than when i started the show and i know i'm way more than when i got put the scale in the closet so <laughs> i'm guessing that okay and at this weight i am not a slender person in appearance not at all not one bit if you met me you would not say hey there's lori you know the slender one over there in the corner that's not what you might say you might say pleasantly plump heavy set fat you know, whatever your vocabulary is to describe me, it would be one of the words chunky, uh, Rubenesque, one of those words that meant that I was of the bigger persuasion versus, you know, petite persuasion. That would be how you may describe me. But even so, when Mark and I went to Ventura last week, we went away for a little getaway. I rode nine miles straight uphill from Ventura to Ojai, <laughs> okay? And this lady came out of her house and yelled at me and Mark and said, You guys should get off those bikes and turn around, go downhill, and take the bus up here. Because she was concerned that we were too big to be riding up the hill, that we were going to have heart attacks by doing that. She had no idea that Mark and I ride up the hill all the time, that we've done Lake Tahoe, which is way harder than going up to Ojai, and that we ride all the time going from the Pasadena Rose Bowl up the hill to Descanso Garden and back. No, she saw senior citizen, big people on bikes going up the hill on a pleasantly warm day. So she yelled at us. (laughs) I couldn't even understand why she was yelling. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Why do we have to stop riding and take a bus? It took me a while for the penny to drop, right? She was defining us by our size. And our size does not stop us from riding up the hill now do I say all of you no matter what you weigh or what kind of shape you're in should you be getting yourself bicycles and find a big long nine mile hill and ride up it on a hot day no no that would be foolish to do that Mark and I didn't start by riding up nine mile hills. We started riding a couple of miles on the flat bike path and worked our way up to five miles, then worked our way to going up the hill around our house a little bit, you know, a quarter of a mile and added on to it and then worked up to it. So our cardiovascular system and our muscles have over time become conditioned to these things. But people looking at us from the outside are always surprised. So back to definitions. One of the reasons why I had stage fright in the the sound booth of my voice acting class is I kept feeling like I'm a failure. I'm a newbie. I can't get this. I was defining myself as a failure. I was telling myself, you're a failure. Now that's crazy. Some of my takes frankly suck the big egg. (laughs) Yes, they do. They're terrible. I'm terrible sometimes. But It's the take that's terrible. It's my attempt that turned out as a failure. The attempt failed to do what I wanted. I didn't fail because I tried. You never fail if you try. It doesn't matter what your results are, right? It doesn't matter. You are not a failure. You are not fat. You are not just a parent. You are not just whatever your job is. You are not just what your hobby is, okay? I could say, I'm a singer. Well, it's true that I sing. Am I the best singer in the world? Absolutely not. Can I carry a tune now? Yay, yes, I can. But I'm a person who likes to sing. I'm a person who has the ability to sing. I'm a person who's studying voice acting and improving my capability as a voice actor. I'm a person who loves to hike. I'm a person who has issues with food. I'm a person who might like my body weight someday to be different. But I'm a person who has these thoughts and feelings. And so today when I catch myself telling myself that I am one of my attributes, I am a podcaster, I am fat, I am a failure, I'm going to stop, I'm going to put the stops to that and say, no, I'm a person who, and then I'll go from there. So I hope you enjoyed what I'm letting go of today, Brave Companions. It's letting go of defining ourselves by an attribute. Now I have just a couple of exciting announcements, at least I think they're exciting, before we move on to the rest of the show. And first of all, like I said in the opening, The next time I record is going to be on February 3rd, 2015, and I'll be able to say it's been one year since I began this experiment of talking about my thoughts and feelings, because February 3rd will be day 100. Isn't that cool? I will have done 100 shows in my first year of Compulsive Overeating Diary. And I really, 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 really want you Brave Companions to send me some audio that I can put in that show. It doesn't have to be a lot. Those of you that have memo voice apps on your phone, use your phone, call the Bravery Hotline, any which way you can. And I would especially love some more people to be part of the Bravery song. And the way you would do that is call up the Bravery Hotline or record your voice, however you can, and just say your name, where you're from, however much you're comfortable with, and why you're brave. So I'll give you an example. If I was going to call the Bravery Hotline, I'd say, Hi, Lori, this is for the Bravery song. My name is Lori. I'm from California in the United States, and I'm brave because I stepped back into the voice booth even though I was scared, (laughs) but I did it anyway. So you get the idea or it could even be more simple. Hi, I'm Lori. I'm from California in the USA and I am brave because I thought about my feelings today. Whatever. So the more of you that will actually send me some bravery bits, the more fun I think the bravery song will be. So please send that in at all. And I need everything if you want to be in show 100 by February 1st, okay, by February 1st. Now, I'm also interested in any of your thoughts and feelings if you want to just call the bravery hotline and say, Hey, Lori, I want to tell you what the show's meant to me or what I like or I'm happy to be a brave companion or anything, jokes, songs, music, riddles. Now I'm going to have some special guests doing some interviews with me. I've already got some stuff lined up. So I see show 100 as a celebration of where we've come and where we hope to go. And I would just love it if you guys could gird on your bravery and somehow let your voice be part of show 100. And just another announcement that ties in with what I told you about last show is that I'm not putting my daily statuses any longer on Facebook. I'm putting them right on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. So if you just go there every day, you will see whatever I have to say as a status. But both Suze and Cheryl have been requesting a place or a page where they could post their own general feelings or what they're going through or comments that might not have specifically to do with any one of my blog posts or having to do with an episode. And so I added text to all, of my daily, to all of my daily status reports, encouraging you to post there. So feel free to use these statuses as your free form posting venue for your feelings or something that you're going through. You know, I say, this is how I'm doing today. You could say, this is how I'm doing today. Or, you know, what this guy did, this was crummy. Or, you know, I'm really scared I'm doing, going up to so-and-so or whatever. So people will have a chance to support you. And your comments will show up on the recent comments just as much as if you posted on a blog post or on a show note. So we'll see how this goes. And if we get just tons of comments on these status reports, then I'll know it's worthwhile for me to look into finding us another forum for the show. Okay? Onward and upward. Last week, I bravely shared some of my not-so-positive experience in the sound booth during voice acting, and this week I want to share with you some of the most fun I've had in voice acting in class. Here's a bit written as an over-the-top game show to encourage parents to set limits on underage drinking. My scene partners, Rhonda Clark and Tom Smith, generously allowed me to share our takes with you. And Tom asked me to let you all know that he's six foot three and quite the hunk. Sorry, hon. And Tom, mmm, thanks. You know, he really is very nice and very tall and really cute. No, honey, I know nobody is cuter than you. But Tom, you really are a hunk and Rhonda is super talented, so I hope that you enjoy these takes from us. Okay, with our first take, I had an absolute ball because my first part was as the boisterous game show host. Tom is the husband, Rhonda is his wife.
2: We're rolling on uh, Parents Empowered, and this is one.
0: All right, and welcome to Wedding Wars. Remember, the couple with the most matched answers wins. Let's begin with couple number one. Where was your first date?
2: At the movies. At my friend's party. How do you not remember that? No, I distinctly remember...
0: Moving on. As a couple, do you prefer vacationing in the mountains or the beach?
2: Beach. Mountains. What? Then why won't you go to my mother's cabin?
1: You really have to ask that?
0: Okay, next question. Who does the majority of the housework?
2: Me. You can't be serious.
0: All right. Last question for double the points. How do you feel as parents about underage drinking?
2: Absolutely not.
0: As a couple, you might not agree on everything, but when parents are united against underage drinking, kids stay alcohol-free. Set clear no-alcohol rules together. Learn more at parentsempower.org.
3: Very nice. Very very nice. Now you guys these guys were consistently coming in at around 55, 56 and that's exactly what you came in at 56 and it's very possible that they might have even had a legal disclaimer at the end which is which is great. But well, you did a great job. Notice what Lori did. Lori again in this particular case Lori was playing a character, a role. She wasn't necessarily playing just her talking to somebody. She was a game show host and a game show host is going to be bigger than life and that's exactly what she was she was expansive All right, let's do it. That's not how Lori would normally talk to somebody, but Lori understood the role and stayed with that role consistently all the way through, which is great. Husband and wife, you guys did a great job in that that booth there. Um, uh, In this particular case, Tom, you played that husband perfectly. Again, the uh, the clueless husband. Gee, I guess we don't need any more cliches about that, do we? Um, The clueless husband and the wife who says, "Oh my God!" the eye rolling wife and the clueless husband, and uh, so you inhabited those roles really, really well. Uh, uh, and, and what's nice was it was a little bit on the intimate side. I, I, I loved what Rhonda did when, when she was saying, uh, uh, she said, You really have to ask that? And you can't be serious. So, you know, m- many times when she was, you know, talking, she was almost talking to herself, you know, which was great. And that made it even funnier in this particular case. Tom, very straight ahead. You played that, lo- that, that, that role perfectly. So overall, you guys did an excellent take on that first take. Let's now switch roles.
0: Next up, I'm actually Tom's husband, and he is my wife. How can that be, you say? Because the copy in this spot was not gender-specific, and we always switch all the roles around for practice. And Rhonda has a lot of fun with the host part.
2: And this is second crew, take one. All right, and welcome to Wedding Wars. Remember, the couple... With the most matched answers, wins. Let's begin with couple number one. Where was your first date? At the movies. At my friend's party. How do you not remember that?
0: No, I distinctly remember... Moving on.
2: As a couple, do you prefer vacationing in the mountains or the beach? Beach. Mountains.
0: What? Then why won't you go to my mother's cabin?
2: You really have to ask that? Okay. Next question. What, who does the majority of the housework? Me. You can't be serious. All right. Last question for double points. How do you feel as parents about underage drinking? Absolutely not. Well, as a couple, you might not agree on everything. But when parents are united against underage drinking, kids stay alcohol-free. Set clear no-alcohol rules together. Learn more at parentsempowered.org.
3: Very nice. Very, very nice. A little bit faster on that one, but overall, you really, really did a nice job on your spots, on your lines. You anticipated your lines. You kept your lines together. You made sense of your lines, which is great, um, and and you were very consistent with your characters all the way through, so you really did good. Uh, Again, the power of rehearsal really, really helps you with that, anticipating your timing. That's it. Not just your timing in terms of how long it is, but your timing in terms of when you come in with your lines, how soon you come in with your lines, and how you react. Don't forget that that act, that reacting is just as important as acting, particularly, obviously, in dialogues.
0: Lastly, Rhonda and I play a same-sex couple, while Tom channels his inner Don Pardo as the host. Note, when I'm not so nervous, I can finally show some comedic timing.
3: All right, now you're going to do... Do that voodoo you didn't do already. That's right. And we're going to begin with same-sex couple number one. And with that, this is Third Crew Take One.
2: All right, and welcome to Wedding Wars. Remember, the couple with the most matched answers wins. Let's begin with couple number one. Where was your first date? At the movies.
0: At my friend's party. How do you not remember that? No, I distinctly remember.
2: Moving on. As a couple, do you prefer vacationing in the mountains or the beach? The beach.
0: Mountains. What? Then why won't you go to my mother's cabin? You really have to ask that?
2: Okay. Next question. Who does the majority of the housework? Me. You can't be serious. All right. Last question for double points. How do you feel as parents about underage drinking? Absolutely not. As a couple, you might not agree on everything, but when parents are united against underage drinking, kids stay alcohol-free. Set clear no-alcohol rules together. Learn more at parentsempowered.org.
3: Terrific, terrific. You know, uh, uh, Laura, you got the you got the laugh line. You got the laugh line. You can't be serious. Yeah. <laughs> now that, 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 you got the laugh line. You have you have the funniest line on that one. Um, <clears throat> in this particular case, Tom, once I gave you that, that host, you ran with that ball. Thank you very much. Thank you. You got bigger. You got larger. You got more expansive. And that's what that host needs to do in this particular case. You guys, uh, 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 um, Lori and Rhonda, you had good, good timing. On your thing, I remember at one point, you know, beach mountains, and you were just kind of, you know, uh, uh, kind of going against each other, but at the same time, I didn't mind that at all. It, instead of beach mountains, no, beach mountains, what? Yeah, wait, you know. So in that particular case, I liked that. That was that was that was kind of funny. The word distinctly just got just got swallowed. Indistinct. Uh, yes, it was indistinct. Other than that, that was the only thing that I flagged because overall you did a really, really nice job. What was our timing? It was 54. 54 So you were coming out, first one was 56, second one was 52, and this one was 54, you split the difference. But overall you did a really, really good job with this. And again, power of rehearsal made it so that you can both say absolutely not together. You practice that, and sometimes, again, with a cold read, you wouldn't have your timing down with rehearsal you would. Come on in.
0: Well, BCs, I hope you enjoyed hearing our trialogue this week. It was sure fun making it. And Tom and Rhonda, thanks again for allowing our scene work to be on Compulsive Overeating Diary. On our last show, brave companion Suze was super duper brave and let me use her voice describing the origins of some of her distrust and lack of confidence. My hubby Mark, who never, ever, ever posts on my blog, was moved so much after hearing Suzanne's very authentic bravery, he asked me to help him post the following. And this is all his own typing and his own words. Hello, Suze. I heard your comments on day 98 of Lori's show. Very brave of you. As the always awkward dyslexic, so much of what you said rang true with my past experiences also. We, as they say, who travel the less traveled path and hear a different drummer, sometimes do have a tough go of it. When I hear someone tell it like it really feels, I say, how brave. You go, girl. Take care. Mark E. Weaver. Thanks, honey, for acknowledging Suze and for posting. Thanks, too, for giving your permission to read your comment on this episode. And no matter what I said about Tom, honey, you're the only hunk I want in my life. Mm -hmm. And B.C.'s, I can't tell you enough what it means to other brave companions to get that acknowledgement for their bravery. So if you have a moment, come to CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com and post support for them when you hear bravery on this show. It helps to keep that circle of bravery and support going. Before we wrap up the show by listening to Amy from Wisconsin's bravery phone call, I want to welcome our newest BC, Adam, who posted on my daily status report on January 22nd of this year. Adam says, hello, thank you for this website. I'm a new visitor and look forward to digging through your archives. I recently started my own journal about binge eating and has already helped me so much after only one week. I look forward to getting to know you better through your wonderful writing. And my reply: Hi, Adam. Welcome. I will go check out your blog when I get the chance. And good for you for deciding to share your feelings. It is tough sometimes to avoid that isolation. And here's a link for you to my friend Alan Stanish's podcast, "Progress, Not Perfection." It used to be called "Quit Binge Eating." And this episode features Dr. Andrew Wayland, a guy who had lifelong eating issues and wrote a book about it for men. I think you may find it interesting. I'm glad you find my thoughts of use and look forward to getting to know you better. Adam then commented back, Thank you for the link. It's incredibly hard-finding information and support on binge eating online, and even more so in regards to men and this disorder. I have connected with a lot of the writing of Janine Roth, but much of her stuff is geared toward women and, more recently, the religious. I, th- I will check out the link you recommended. And B.C. Suze again stepped it up to make sure Adam felt welcome. Hi, Adam. I hope you don't mind if I hop in here and welcome you to the page and the community, too. I've found both Lori's and Alan Standish's podcasts and blogs to be helpful and thought-provoking. They each have different styles and approaches to the topic, which I think are great compliments to each other. Best wishes, Suzanne. And I want to say, thanks, Suzanne, for doing that. BCs, it just is not possible for me to keep my eagle eye everywhere anymore and I know it makes a big difference to new BCs when someone says hello to them. If you happen to see a first time poster, please feel free to say howdy to them as Suze has done. It will help our community grow and thrive and for my own good, it would alleviate some of my worry that new BCs may slip through the cracks. It takes a village to raise a child, right? I guess it takes a worldwide band of BCs to keep compulsive overeating diary rolling because I just can't do it all on my own. And on that topic, though I will try to answer every comment directed towards me eventually, it just may not be as quickly as it used to be. I try to answer comments every morning, but sometimes I just can't get to it, you know? But thank you, thank you, thank you BCs who have been posting to encourage me and or each other who have just commented to say, I'm still here, or to send hugs. Each interaction matters. Each time you reach out to me and each other, it makes a whopping big difference. And now I'm going to wrap up day 99 with a brave phone call from Amy from Wisconsin, who called the Bravery Hotline to tell us a story about how she identified emotions coming out as food cravings when she had to go to the doctor and face stepping on the scale.
1: Hi Lori, it's Amy from Wisconsin. I just had another experience where emotions come across as um, food cravings. And so because it sort of dawned on me and like I figured it out, I just wanted to share with you Um, so I was, I had to go to the doctor for a follow-up appointment after a double ear infection. And I had a really big lunch today because I met a friend for lunch. And I mean, it was a chicken sandwich, but it was a big one. It had other stuff on it. It was delicious. Was it a binge? No, it was just a bigger lunch. But I figured out that because I had to step on the scale at the doctor's office, It was triggering me like before the appointment, I was feeling like, oh, I think I want to stop after and get a candy bar, not even really hungry, but I just really feel like I want something sweet. And, you know, one day of eating an extra treat is fine and blah, blah, blah. And so, okay. I just kind of left it as maybe, whatever, went to my appointment, got in my car after my appointment, and I'm starting to drive away, and I realized, oh, I have no desire for a candy bar anymore. That's weird. And then I thought about it more and realized, yeah, that's because I already stepped on the scale. The scale was actually down a little bit, but I don't even think it was that. I think it was just the, like, anxiety of having to step on the scale, and that's how my body processes anxiety. It makes me want to eat. So just another reminder that when those food thoughts come out of nowhere, I have to look deeper and I have to figure out where they are coming from because that is exactly where it was coming from. And thank goodness I didn't stop and get anything on the way to the doctor's appointment because now I don't care at all. I'm not even hungry. I'm still full for my nice big lunch. So... That's my story for the day. I hope that you're doing well. Bye.
0: Well, Amy, I certainly agree. Every time I had to go to the doctor and think about stepping on that scale, it doesn't matter if I was up or down. That just gave me the willies. I think it's that feeling of judgment kind of coming out, you know, being down on myself and the dread and what are they going to say and am I thin enough? Like maybe I've lost 10 pounds and maybe they still think I'm too fat or maybe I've put on 10 pounds and they're going to give me that mm-hmm look, you know, the one the nurse gives you. Well, that's why this year I turned around and didn't look and was happy about that. But still, just going to the doctor and knowing I'm getting weighed certainly triggers me. And I think what you have to say is really, really valuable. So I want to say this one thought again. When you get food thoughts coming out of nowhere, it's always something more than food. It's always something more. And if you can do like Amy and look deeper you might be able to cut that unnecessary food out of your life and move a little closer to your goals, whether it's weight loss or having a better relationship with food or both. So, Brave Companions, until our big 100th show on our one-year anniversary, I'm going to say goodbye. But you guys, if you can, call up the Bravery Hotline and be in the show. (laughs) But even if you can't, you take good care because I really, 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 here on top of the mountain, care.
1: I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside, thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. I'll admit